Greetings, I'm John Haspel. Matt Branham and I founded Cross River Meditation Center in 2012. The following is a Dhamma class recording from our center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. Please support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Today's sutta is on the Anurata Sutta, which kind of follows nicely um, last class sutta on Fena and learning how the five clinging aggregates, that which the Buddha describes as the ongoing personal experience of stress. <clears throat> Where's it going with that? Jeez. I lost my train of thought. You don't know? Oh, so in, in this suit, <laughs> in this suit to the Anurata Sutta, the Buddha gets into a little bit more um, directly practical way of understanding this and applying it in our daily life. A really interesting sutta. Um, I'm going to read a little bit from the introduction. I usually don't, but the Anurata Sutta is another sutta where the Buddha is asked questions whose basis is rooted in views ignorant of Four Noble Truths. Views established in ignorance can only continue ignorance and continue as a source of conjecture, disappointment, and ongoing deluded thinking. This sutta is similar to the Vachagoda Sutta that the, in that the questioners in seeking answers to common existential ideology. It is this confused ideology that seeks to establish a permanent and sustainable being in all realms, physical or non-physical, real or conveniently imagined. This compulsive need to establish itself in every thought, word, and deed that occurs is the powerful and extremely subtle strategy, strategy that Anatta, a self-referential ego personality, uses to ignore its ignorance of these four noble truths. It's really an amazingly um, convenient vehicle that if we don't know that we've created, we fabricated it out of just um, life experiences and, and false beliefs and getting hooked into ideologies, and then we have to defend them. In the sutta, the Buddha refers to the three marks of existence and the five clinging aggregates, the Anurata Sutta. I have heard that on one occasion, the Buddha was staying near Vasali. Venerable Anurata has, has visited the Buddha from his forest hut. While traveling to the Buddha, a group of wandering sectarians encountered Anurata. The group had common questions for Anurata. The Tathagata, the, the Buddha, the awakened one, has been described as having one of these views. The Tathagata exists after death. The Tathagata does not exist after death. The Tathagata both exists and does not exist after death. The Tathagata neither exists nor does not exist after death. That's a real head twister. Venerable Anurata replied that the Tathagata, the awakened one, is not described as having any of these views. 
This is an interesting reaction these folks had. The wandering sectarian said to Honorata, you are either an inexperienced newcomer or a foolish elder. The sectarians took their leave of Honorata. Not long after, Honorata thought, if I am questioned again by seekers, how will I answer in such a way that will not misrepresent the Buddha's Dhamma and so that those whose thinking is in line with the Dhamma will have ground for criticizing me? The Buddha, Honorata went to the Buddha. He bowed and sat to one side. Great teacher, a group of wandering sectarians, ask me if you hold any views that agree with these views. The Tathagata exists after death. The Tathagata does not exist after death. The Tathagata both exists and does not exist after death. And the Tathagata neither exists nor does not exist after death. I said to them, friends, the Tathagata, the awakened one, is not described as having any of the any of these views. They assumed I was inexperienced newcomer or a foolish elder. I misrepresented your dollar. How should I respond in the future to present your authentic dhamma so that I won't be criticized by the wise? This also gets into impermanence. The Buddha responds, what do you think, Anurata? The five clinging aggregates form feeling perceptions, mental fabrications, and consciousness. The Buddha responds, what do you think, Anurata? Is form permanent or impermanent? Form is impermanent, Master. And is that which is impermanent easeful or stressful? That which is impermanent is stressful, Master. And is it authentic to my Dhamma to join with what is stressful? It's, it's an interesting way of putting that. That we join with what is stressful. We take ownership of it, even though in one way or another it's stressful. And is it authentic to my Dhamma to join with what is stressful? To self-identify with what is stressful by regarding what is impermanent, stressful, subject to change as this is mine, this is myself, this is what I am? No, it is not, Master. Is feeling permanent or impermanent? Feeling is impermanent, Master. Is perception permanent or impermanent? Perception is impermanent, Master. Are fabrications permanent or impermanent? Fabrications are impermanent, Master. And is consciousness permanent or impermanent? Consciousness is impermanent, Master. So in order to maintain the... Um, the big lie of the five clinging aggregates takes constant attention. Why? Because they're impermanent. If we don't keep get keep supporting them with constantly going back and identify with them, this is my view. This is who I am. This is who I will be. It's all the all the ideas and ideology we use to describe ourselves, but they're all impermanent. <coughs> Except we try to make them all permanent. We try to make this form permanent. We create very incredible um, fabrications about how I can keep this form permanent. Like when I die, I'll end up here. When I die, I'll end up with whatever I do. I can do a bunch of these things and I'll get a good result the next life. 
Well, that's a waste of a life, isn't it? If you're thinking about that. And what do you have to fix in this life that has to wait until the next life? It's all rooted in a need for salvation. Because we're always holding against impermanence. That which is impermanent is stressful, Master. And is it authentic to my Dhamma to join with what is stressful, to self-identify with what is stressful? Regarding what is impermanent, stressful, subject to, taint, subject to change, as this is mine, this is myself, this is what I am. That's exactly what we do with the five clinging aggregates. No, it is not, Master. Anurata, do you regard form as the Tathagata? No, I do not. Do you regard feeling as the, the Tathagata? No, I do not. Do you regard perception as the, the Tathagata? No, I do not. Do you regard fabrications as the, the Tathagata? No, I do not. Do you regard consciousness as the, as the Tathagata? No, I do not, Master. Well, Anurata, do you view the Tathagata as being in form? Do you view the Tathagata as being other than form? Do you view the Tathagata as being in feeling? Do you view the Tathagata as being other than feeling? Do you view the Tathagata as being in perception? Do you view the Tathagata as being other than perception? Do you view the Tathagata as being in fabrications? Do you view the Tathagata as being other than fabrications? Do you view the Tathagata as being in consciousness? Do you view the Tathagata as being in other than consciousness? No, I do not, Master. Anurata, do you view the Tathagata as five clinging aggregates, as form, feeling, perceptions, mental fabrications, and consciousness? No, I do not, Master. Do you view the Tathagata as without form, without feeling, without perceptions, without fabrications, without consciousness? No, I do not. There's no contradiction. It, it doesn't, there's not a, um, a prison of two ideas struggle going on here. Just because it's not that just means you can't attach that to the Buddha either. So, Anurata, when you cannot describe or establish the Tathagata as a permanent truth, in this present life, is it authentic for you to declare that the Tathagata, the awakened one, has any of these qualities you described? No, it is not, Master. Anurata, you have learned well. Remember what I teach. And this is it. That's, this is the whole enchilada. At all times, it is only stress that I describe and the cessation of stress. End of sutta. So, a little bit wordy, but it's pointing to the impermanence of these five clinging aggregates. But when we're stuck in them and, and continuing to maintain and promote them as me, as mine, they're always stressful because what's within me, what the Buddha was describing about himself, is not someone who is neither in form or not in form. Neither one of those views applies to the Buddha or anybody else who's awakened. We're not, we're not one or the other. 
we liberate ourselves from any kind of ideology that would describe anything permanent. We understand what we are. We're human beings having a human life. We get a breath in the beginning, a breath in the end. And in between, we have a whole bunch of breaths that we get to do what we want. But if we're, if we're distracted by our own ignorance, we're driven by ignorance. That's my talk today. So let's go on online here. Uh, Mary. Hi, John. Good morning, everybody. Um, I feel like the messaging was fairly simple once you understand the concept of um, the clean aggregates and when we identify um, ourselves in any kind of fabrication or any sense of self that therein lies the, the nut that we need to loosen in order to um, release the stress, to let, to let go of the, in, let's say, fabrication, so the stress can no longer be present. <laughs> yes, that's it. And that's the whole point of recognizing and abandoning stress. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Mary. Good morning, Jen. Good morning, John. Hi, everyone. <clears throat> um, I thought it was interesting how, uh, you know, um, Anurata gets <clears throat> distracted by the sectarians um, and takes on their, their drama. Yeah. And, um, you know, they are ignorant of Four Noble Truths and um they ask him questions that are ignorant and he responds and even though his response is clear and direct what they hear is <clears throat> just more ignorance because um yeah. they're deluded and um they react and that causes him to react and become distracted and i make around his own ability to teach and you know when he says i failed or i can't remember exactly how he says it but he says uh, i failed your i failed at teaching and the buddha's response is don't join with that that's not what happened <clears throat> and um, it's simple and direct isn't it it's not always easy to do but... right and he doesn't he just skips right the buddha just skips right over that and goes straight to the point like no, don't join with don't join with Duca. Yeah, yeah, and and that's really his message throughout. You know the thousands of suttas that he that he gave us. They all have to do with understanding and abandoning our contribution to stress, and it works. Pretty good deal. Thank you, Jen. Hello, my friend, Doctor Kevin. Hi, John. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for the teaching, John. Um, really, I have nothing further to add this morning. I'm going to take another silence. Left you speechless. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Sadika, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Thank you. I'm good. Thank you for teaching. Nothing to add. Listening here. I'm glad you joined us. 
Uh, let me see. Dawn, nobody has to has to talk, but if we'd like to hear if you have anything to say. And I should say welcome to our saga, Dawn. Thank you. Um, the uh, message on impermanence um, kind of resonated with me because I've been working through that this week. So um, that was nice to hear. Thank you. Yeah, we, it was. We were you were able to at least uh, as, as best as you can apply it to something that's going on in your life. So, and that's the Dhamma is always practical in that way. Yeah. Glad you joined us, Dawn. Hello, Brian. Morning, John. Uh, I, I'd, I'd skillfully argue with you that the aggregates are maintained by ignorance and go. distraction versus attention. Um, I think if you pay attention to the aggregates, they fall apart. Uh, from the from the from, from name of this review from right view, correct. You can see I mean, that, from, that's really what this this suit that was about is teaching on Arata and us. What is the right view about the five clinging aggregates? But how, how through, does it make sense? Of it? Through through right view and right concentration, you you can see the yeah. magic. So thank you. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Brian. Anybody mind being on camera this morning? Hello, Raquel. Good to see you. Can't see if I got you, though. Uh, there you are. Thank you, Raquel. Yeah, it, there's, it wasn't too difficult to find relevance to your own practice in this. The sutta can seem a little thick, but the Buddha is really just referring to the same things we teach every class. Thank you. Hello, Mark. You're in. Thank you for the teaching. We are dealing with a lot of impermanence uh, recently, and um, mm. we are. I, I I have, without realizing, found um, I can reflect on what's going on in, in our lives. My mother's very rapid decline over the last several years. Yeah. And um, I was able to put it in perspective, accepting it as is, without yeah. taking on the sadness. It doesn't have to be the way. It is just part of life. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. have to be sad or happy. Yeah, it's just, it's just what it is. 
but um, a couple of points of clarification for myself. Uh, sectarians, I'm assuming, is like some other people of other persuasions. Yeah, persuasions. people of a certain sect. But, um, um, you know, talk about salvation, you know, those people, they're, they're trying to deal with their impermanence. Um, and it seems that the whole thing of saying, okay, well, I'll do something in the next life. That's almost, that's almost like the ultimate procrastinator strategy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, why not do it here or not? Because I can change tomorrow. silly <laughs> ultimately it is it's really it's absurd it what we do to ourselves but it's not it, it's just part of the human condition everybody has this except the buddha figured out a way out of this ignorance and you know the the path hasn't changed in 2600 years it's what we're doing here and it still works i thought stress was the 20th century no there was a lot of stress around during the buddhist time <laughs> He left, the, he was a, a prince in his father's kingdom. And he couldn't wait to leave that kingdom because he found that, and he talked about it later. He found that life very stressful. Just all the things that went around that. And he couldn't wait to get away from it. And then he found similar difficulties out into the world, and that got him thinking. Eventually he figured this out. There's a, there's a thing that happens once we have any kind of fabricated perception and uh, a hardened or concretized idea or ideology. And when we've done that to ourselves and we, something comes in that challenges it, we'll likely only hear the part that we can mold into how we see things, not what's actually occurring. And it's true. I mean, I've seen this often of just not really wanting to understand and let go of some ideologies, even though we understand they're going to block me from continuing. It's, it's very common. Um, but that's why we continue in class as well. Thank you, Mark. Hello, Julia. Good morning. There you are. Thank you for the teaching. It's nice to be back. I've been away for a few classes, but really grateful to be here. Um, I'm glad to still be in the five cleaning aggregates study <laughs> that we're in. Um, yeah. You're finding it practical? 100%. Good. 110%. I mean, and I want to say for folks who aren't in the room, there are some posters behind John and the five cleaning aggregates are listed and next to the five, five cleaning aggregates is a short Anada Sutta. Mm -hmm. And just listening to this particular teaching, it's so short, I'm going to read it. That which is impermanent is anada, it is not a self. That which is impermanent, when clung to, is dukkha, is suffering. And you just couldn't really ask for a shorter, sweeter version of yep. how 
I create stress in my life through clinging. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, and it's always an inside job. We do it to ourselves. We think that the world is so stressful or our spouse is so stressful or our job is so stressful. But any stress that we experience is because of the way we're thinking about ourselves in relation to what's occurring. <coughs> and we can always change that. Once we have control of our mind, right, that's why we do jhana meditation to deepen concentration, not to have visions or escape our body or anything like that. Because now once we have control of our minds, we can see ourselves going into eye making. And we can take a breath. We talk about it all the time. Take a breath. Unite your mind and your body. And get into the next moment of your life. Free yourself from your own ignorance. Hello, Zach. How are you doing? Good to see you. I think I got you on camera. That's all right. Um, thank you for the teaching. And uh, I'm going to take noble silence today. Thanks, Zach. How are you, Cody? Oh, I'm good. I um I don't think I have the same I don't think I have the same question that the sectarians do, but I, I do have um questions and um I it seems or it feels to me like detaching, disassociating, whatever you want to call it, abandoning the five clinging aggregates is um, abandoning a lot of the things that separate me. I mean, you know, the things that we cling to to say, no, this is my identity. This yeah. is what makes me different. This is what makes me special. This is what makes me better or, uh, or worse for that matter. Um, and when I hear the sectarian's question, I don't have the same question, but my question is, what's left? Like oh. if, I, if I abandon impermanence, if I'm not clinging or averse to dukkha, and I am in the Eightfold Path, then there's a process there. Mm -hmm. There's a way of, of thinking about the world and perceiving the world and existing in the world. Um, but what is left? What is it that's existing in the world if I am not my aggregate? Um, it's a great and penetrating question. What's left is a awakened, fully mature human being who's established in equanimity, in a calm and peaceful mind. And even approaching that state, we know how to get there. We know how to disassociate ourselves immediately from stress. So it, it's, it, and it's interesting how you, and it tells me your, your practice is going where it should go. 
But you want to know, okay, I'm going to do all this, but what's there? What's left? And what's left is peace and calm. What's left is just being present for life as life occurs, um, always, without having to introduce stress in your life, or for that matter, for other people either. We're awakened. It, it doesn't mean that we're stagnant. It doesn't mean we spend our days just simply meditating. We're us, all of us, we're, we're going to be involved in our lives and our families, et cetera, et cetera. But now we're different. I'm going to ask Ram about that. It's a great question. Thank you. What do you think about that? What's changed? What's changed is... What's changed and what's left? Yeah, this person is still here. And... John, we can't see Ram. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. Ram. There you go. There's that cute face. <laughs> Cutie pie. <laughs> is someone who and this is a gradual thing it's not like a sudden change or, or a, an end point um, there's still someone there who knows he's there and <coughs> knows he or she is in the world and um, can see it clearly and is not affected by it. Mm -hmm. it's, it does not induce stress anymore being in the world. And would you say that you're a much more mature Rom? Most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, I, that's I, where I we're going. To, I have is... to admit that it, it's, it's still a process. And yeah. from time to time, I, I do all of a sudden um, react, identify um, those feelings all of a sudden can assume an yeah. identity all of a sudden. And then there's a reaction, and then that reaction is witnessed, and we know where uh, there's a little abandoning that can happen. Yeah, um, you recognize the eye making in that. Yeah, um, but those those moments are 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 slowly fading away. Um, and I've also I've I've lost the the impatience. I was just going to ask you that. I don't. You've never even shown that you were impatient, but well, you, you had to be. I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I distinctly remember 
thinking, geez, I'm, I'm 60 or 70 years old. I've been at this for 40, 50 years. Not this. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, um, you know, I remember the thought of, but am I going to just, you know, die in my sleep one day or, you know, get knocked over by a bus? And, Hopefully and, it's and the first. you know, and not at the end point of this, of this, what was then a struggle and what is now just a journey. Um, but there, there is a tipping point there where you can see the process unfolding of the, the benefits of, of the abandoning, the benefits of the insight of what's going on. Yeah. Um, and once that is there, um, again, you, you get to be a bit more gentle with yourself. Um, so indeed, Now you see that, an opportunity for gentleness. Yeah. And it, with gentleness, it's a lot easier. Yeah. And you just, it's how you're treating yourself. Mm -hmm. It's kind of crazy that we have to do something like this, but it's sure here that, that we don't, we're not naturally gentle with right. ourselves. We're so hard on ourselves. And, and it's because of these yeah. these identifying with these aggregates and you know and, and in with the constant practice of, of jhana um you can bring up the the, the the concentration the awareness the mindfulness to keep an eye on yourself yeah minute to minute i got a question about the tipping point mm -hmm. Very, very interesting that you said that. So it, it, it seems, and Corey, can I be from wrong? Right? There's that, there's almost like a fear of anticipation. If you peel away all this stuff, mm -hmm. you're, you're afraid what's on the other side of the curtain. Yeah, it feels like annihilation yeah. at that right? stage. Like, is there anything going to be left? So yeah, I've I, never had that. So my question to you is that a, uh, so once you overcome it's common, fear, is that the tipping point? I don't think so. Um, and that may just be the way that my whole life unfolds. Um, a lot of what, what I did early on had to do with letting go of, of the beliefs that, that I had at the time, because I saw they were not working. Yeah. Um, and yeah, for some strange reason, I, I, I never had the issue of uh, being afraid that there was nothing when we left, um, I was more looking forward to the, that that state of existence where I wasn't stressful anymore, and where I could see the world for what it was, and I could see myself for what it was. Um, 
I never saw that as as a um, as a lack of. Mm. I saw it more as a, as a, a fulfillment. And um, if I could just clarify, I Please. I don't. Um, I'm I'm genuinely I I ask the question from a place of genuine curiosity, mm -hmm. uh, not. Um, I don't, um, I don't have a, I did, I think I did when I, you know, I, I can remember having the fear of annihilation or the fear of, of nothing or, you know, what yep. become. but, um, I think I'm more interested now having had some experience of taking refuge in the Dhamma mm -hmm. in that gentleness that Ram's talking about. And <coughs> I'm curious, would you say that that, I mean, if, because in my mind, all of the five clinging to the aggregates is what separates us. It's what's the, what defines our ego and separates mm -hmm. us from, from the moment that's occurring and from each other. Yeah. Would you define that gentleness as metta? Um, you could. Uh, you got to be careful with meta because it has so many connotations today. There's people that their whole practice is just over and over. They're just stuck in meta. Um, be associated with understanding. Yeah, there's no understanding. There's no path towards going anywhere. But it's probably one of the fourth or fifth largest Buddhist practices. My practice is meta. I hear it all the time. You know, it's either saving yourself or saving the whole world, but it's always based on salvation. Um, if you take meta as a as the lack of ill will. Yeah, that's as as we teach it here. That's only so. You know, including the lack of ill will to work yourself. That's yep. gentleness. That's gentleness, and you, I think your your curiosity belies the fact that you're developing the dharma enough to have that to have it. Have your curiosity well framed by your understanding of the Dhamma so far. And it's great to have curiosity about where we're going and what's next. Um, and all I can say is keep coming. You're, uh, this, the whole, I'd probably say it at every class, maybe more than every class about being gentle with ourselves. It's the key to the Dharma. To me, it's it's the key to human life. I mean, if we're really going to be at peace and and truly happy, I'm not talking about an, a constantly excited happiness, but just, you know, pure equanimity. It has to be rooted in gentleness, doesn't it? And it, it, it all goes back, what, again, just to, just to, qualify it in in this conversation it's hurtful to ourselves to believe in or to be ignorant of four noble truths that, i mean that's what the buddha figured out stop doing it to ourselves and he taught us he didn't just say look what you're doing go ahead and go meditate somewhere he gave us a complete path about how to get there complete path figured everything out all we got to do is follow it and your curiosity is leading you, I think, in a very skillful way. 
especially if you're learning to be very gentle with yourself. <clears throat> so I, I won't put you on a spot, only, but only to say, do you want to talk more a little more about gentleness? You don't have to. I'm much more interested in what everyone else has to say about it. Um, but I just, I mean, the my experience of abandoning five clinging aggregates leads me to a place where there's less separation between myself and others. There's yeah. a sense of universality. And, hmm. um, Do you find that your personal relationships are likewise more gentle? Mm -hmm. I mean that, that's significant. I mean, you could you could describe my early life as conflict with everybody, mm -hmm. always fighting, always arguing, always trying to get my way. It's a terrible way to live. There's the. I mean, there's also like I have to, I have to um, I have to be careful to understand, like, because there's like a there's like a backwards <coughs> temptation to say, try to lecture or try to, um, like I can't, um, I don't know, I don't have the to describe it, so I don't, I don't want to be too, but I, I, you know, in my personal life and with people I love, I have to detach from that as well because I can't, it's not, it's not saving anything. And I can't, yep. I can't give the experience that I have to them and just say, oh, here, now you're better. You know, it's all fixed. Mm -hmm. um, but I just, I have a lot, I have a lot more patience and, and, and sometimes I can, I can even become frustrated when I, when I, when I see suffering in others that seems unnecessary yep. to me. Yeah. Um, but. In, in, in most cases, yes, I feel more gentle and I feel more uh, patient with yeah. the world around me. That's pretty significant, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, I, and that's just another practical example of the Dhamma. You know, we're not teaching you how to travel among the astral planes. You're, just, you're learning what it means to be a human being. A great uh, um, questions rooted in curiosity. Thank you. David, awesome. you're all set. Okay. Can I just add yes, please. It's very interesting. To me, uh, my own life, everything that Mark mentioned, we went through and everything, observing all this, uh, what we think it's a necessary suffering, but understanding that. Uh, this is this is life, but also to me, once I learn what I learned here, there's no point of return to the way I was So now, mm. no matter how how uh, imperfect my my practice is, and uh, I have to remind to be gentle with myself, but uh, I cannot be the same way as I was before. So my view yeah. changed. Relationship with people around me. Yeah. That's uh, 
that's a great point. Yeah, and not being able to be the person you used to be is proof that you're a different person. You know, and, it, and again, you did the work. Give yourself a lot of credit. And there's the only imperfection you could have in Dhamma practice is to stop. Everything else is just part of the process and continuing to move towards awakening or full human maturity. That's what we're doing. Uh, any other questions or comments? Thanks, Kurt. I'm sorry. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Glad I asked because I didn't hear it the first time. Actually, I did. I just want to hear it twice. There it goes. All right. We'll finish with Meta as we almost always do. So take a moment to become mindful of your in-breath and your out-breath and let that mindfulness of your breath unite your mind and your body. And these are the Buddha's words on metta from the Karaniya Metta Sutta describing the qualities of an awakened human being. <coughs> Excuse me. This is what is done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. They are able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. They remain unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. They are peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. They do not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. They are always mindful that all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born. They are always mindful to not deceive another or despise any being in any state. They abandon anger and ill will with ease never wishing harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart, the wise disciple cherishes all living beings. They radiate kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, they maintain refined mindfulness. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, having completed the path, does not give birth to another moment rooted in ignorance of four noble truths. Thank you all for a wonderful class today. Peace. Thank you for listening. If you find benefit here and to learn more about the Buddha's Dhamma, please support the continuing restoration and presentation 
of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com.